Welcome back, everybody, to another week of the Ristic Buddies podcast. I am your host, Hansel. Joining me today are my two co-hosts. Mitch, how are you? What's up? And someone who's finally back into office, he is now back to integrate to the society. Jordan. Humanity sucks. <laughs> a house wearing a shirt. Eh, not too bad. Feels good to be decent. Although, finally, I, although I think I need to hit the I need to start exercising again soon. Finally not naked. God damn it. <laughs> no longer a caveman. No, no longer, no longer free of the restraints of society. <laughs> Hey, you know, if you just be naked in your office, it's a fast track to uh, a long free. holiday. <laughs> fast track to Japanese protection. <laughs> hey, I heard if you are in prison, no one can hurt you. Wow, big brain. Hey, shit. Wow. You go to prison, you get, not only you get food, you also get drinks and you get a place to, and you get shelter. So basically protection from everything, in a sense. Yeah, pretty much. Wow, damn. Oh, well. Hey, oh, I've got. Since I want to tell you a story, so basically, right now, if you guys don't know, I'm wearing uh, what what did my brother say? He he, he calls it uh, what what's this thing called uh, Condor. recording recording this American uh studio quality headset, you know, supposedly supposedly because my brother is a what are they call audiophile. He's very anal about his uh music quality. On oh, them. So before this, I was always wearing my normal earpiece, but because one day I think I forgot to close my door properly, and then because my little dog is just nothing better fucking do, he just goes around chewing shit. He came into my room and just, I believe he ate the the earpiece, you know, you know the the rubber part, and like yeah. I think he ate it because I couldn't find it on the floor. I see. So I, all I had is now wires, and I'm pretty sure my my dog ate the the rest of the earpiece. Damn. Your dog must have your dog must like good quality music too. <laughs> no, my dad, my dad piece sucks anyway. And also another fun fact, do you know if you put my dog onto the sofa, he doesn't know how to come down unless you are standing in a very like this exact position in front of my sofa. If you are standing in any other position in the sofa, my dog will just not able to go down from the sofa. He just cannot comprehend how to go down from the sofa. Dog has finally learned his place. Getting your dog tested. You know what? My mom loves the dog, and that's all that matters. So we are back with our series of uh, talking about cards. You know, we should what we should do. We should think of a of a title that we can use to cover blanket cover, and then we just add on the dot dot. What is the set name? Nothing better to do. <laughs> I mean, that's just the, our shortcut of not having content. But balls dry, thrones on Eldrin. To be fair. <laughs> To be fair, we just have to burn time. I mean, the next what's gonna probably gonna be the next episode is gonna be the set review. Me and Mitch is gonna have our internal set review. Then we're gonna have the next set review, and the next few episodes is gonna be covering uh the new set Dominaria. So, wow, you mean bitching? <laughs> well, yes, true bitching. That's what we do best. Well, I mean, a lot of cards got leaked, and someone probably got fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if anyone doesn't know, I don't know. I don't know where you can get it. Maybe probably on Reddit as usual. Uh, someone the the rules, like the what's it called, Mitch? For the release notes. Ah, uh, the release notes has been leaked by someone, so you can see a lot of cuts that's there. But, uh, uh not leaked. It was accidentally released onto the actual website. Oh, accidentally released. Okay, someone fucked up. Essentially, someone fucked up. Yeah, we got probably got fired. <laughs> uh, but we don't like. I I mean, we don't like to talk about. 
uh, spoilers because like you know when they show us the spoiler of the the Sheldred was spoiled and the ability is totally different from the current Sheldred that was spoiled and before the Liliana veil was revealed there was another version of Liliana that was rotating around so I don't want to really talk about it we will talk about the set when the set comes the okay, new Sheldred is so bastard man god damn it Nah, man, I think it's uh, my small black bill. But you know what? Never mind. We'll talk about it when we get there. So, today we'll be going back to another one in our series. Thankfully, this series will be very, very long because there's magic, you know, pumped out set like it's no one's business. So, today we're going to talk about the, what we can consider one of the most bro- broken set in recent histories. Is it? Yeah. It's so, in most of the comedy format, a lot of the cuts here got banned. But we will be talking about Throne of Eldrain. So, as per our every episode, we're going to be talking about our personal favourite or top cuts in Throne of Eldrain. So, we'll start with... You know what? Mitchell, we start first. Jota, why don't you start first? What's your first cut? Oh, my first cut is The Great Henge. Um, I, I already highlighted it off already. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think out of all the, the lists, right, that, I've, uh, that I have on my end, right, I think The Great Henge sees the most play. Simply because it's green. It's the it's so powerful. The card's yeah. green. Well, caster creature draw a card. I see. Caster yes, creature. I, I have no idea who decided to allow it to go. I mean, okay, technically the so-called mana cost is a barrier. So called. No, it's not. You know it's, it's so, not. It's so stupid. It's like, oh, why? Why is it greatest power? You're just going to count all your mana docks. It's like one. So your mana dock, when you tap, say for example, let no what else, right? It's tapping for the Great Henge. It's tapping, it's actually paying for two off the Great Henge itself. It's, it's the, the, the mana cost, it always like people see, wow, the mana cost is such a turn off. But you're in green, you're going to be shitting out big creature, especially if the commander is like Xenagos. You, you, the Great Henge is going to cost you. You're either going to shit out a very big creatures or going to shit out a ton of creatures. Yeah, then the problem, the thing about the Great Henge is at the end of the day, it's going to cost two. It's, more yes. often they're not costing two, if not three to four. And the thing and then, is, yeah, sorry, carry on. Uh, and then it's gonna return, refund you two mana because yes. it's an artifact, so it has no submission and it refunds you two mana. And then not only that, it refunds you two mana, it gives you two life. Yes. The cut heals. The cut heals you, draws you cut, and then it makes your stuff bigger because when a creature enters the battlefield, if it's a non-token, it gets a plus one plus one counter. And the fact that you don't have to cast it, you draw a cut. The cut is so fucking good. There's a reason why the card is close to $50. Yes. And the fact that the first ability doesn't count non-creature, uh, non-tokens. It counts every creature as well. So you technically can still lean into the token strategy as well and still play Great Hedge. I'm pretty sure if they didn't have the draw card thing, it would still be fucking broken. Yeah. I mean, okay, like most often, more often than not, people tend to put the, the Great Hedge as a draw engine and that's what I tend to do is yeah. the draw engine in my deck. But, I mean, I, I will not lie, the two life has, gaining like eight life out of the Great Henge has saved me multiple times. And just sometimes, even if you're not going to cast any, like going to play a creature, you're still just going to tap the Great Henge, get the two life, and then you move on with your life. Oh, that's so good, no? So, so good. Plus 7-7 is just mana neutral. That's the part I hate about it the most. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the moment you have a 7-7, seven, seven, seven power is mana neutral. So it, it's stupid. It's a free spell. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. Yes, it's, it's actually a free spell. Like, for me, if your commander cost, uh, has like 4 power, 4 mana? 4 power, yeah. If your commander has like 4 power or 5 power, 
Like, I will just automatically put the Great Hench in because your commander alone will make Great Hench cost cheap enough. If you're paying 4 mana or 3 mana for Great Hench, I think it's already worth it. So, there's almost no reason to not play Great Hench if you're in a green deck. Especially you are playing creature because you're in green. Why else will you be playing green if you're not going to cast creatures? Maybe I just want to ramp. You don't know. Oh, yes. you know what the, that the, the true lie the true lie but do you know what Great Hench does it ramps yes it does <laughs> it's a two mana it's a two mana uh, ram that pays that gives you two every, every turn technically the best draws two mana. technically the best two mana mana rock technically yes, technically <laughs> to be very very technical hey it could be worse it could just give you two mana of any color <laughs> can you let's, let's not leave it that world <laughs> copium right. copium not much to say. I, if everyone should know how good the Great Hench is, so Mitch, what is your next card? Well, yes, thank you. I, I wanted to be before Jonathan for this one. <laughs> My first and favorite card in the set, Timbercleave. Yeah, I, I also, uh... I'm removing it from my list as well. It's good for the same fucking reason that Great Hench <laughs> is good, because it ends fucking games. <laughs> Great hand sister, I gain new value over a while. Let me cast creature, get some value. Emberclean gives you that value immediately by removing a player. Yes. <laughs> Great hand is like a it's a slow poison, you know. You're like, oh I accrue value here and there. The Embercleave is Yeah, thanks. It's like a truck. <laughs> no, you know the thing I appreciate most about the card, right? Is the fact that it's just a sword, but it has it's just a statistic. The whole <laughs> card itself matches the art. <laughs> it's big numbers, it's just a statistic. It's just pain. <laughs> I think it's meant to be the uh, Eldraine version of Excalibur. So, you know. Oh. Yes. The, the, the words on the card don't, don't lie. Hey, the, what is it called? Kalheim version of Mjolnir was quite a letdown, remember? I keep thinking about it. The, the weapons, because the, the gods in El, uh, what is it called? Sorry. In Kalheim is like, the, the gods that got flip side is like their artifact. Almost all the artifact is a fucking disappointment. There is one supposed to be like the god slayer sword or something. I was like, wow, the mono one. The worst one is the Mjolnir. Wow. It's a big run, right? The, the Mjolnir. Yeah, the one that he has to, you must tap. Wow. Can we not talk about it? Can we just talk about something else? <laughs> <laughs> can we just talk about good cards? I don't know. I don't know what that card does. Can you uh, elaborate? <laughs> wow, you fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you know when we have the Kaha episode, we can talk about it. Wow, damn. <laughs> okay. If you actually want to know what it does. <laughs> I'm kidding. It costs 2 to equip, then it costs 2 to... And you must unattach it just to deal... Wow, 3 damage. It makes sense, you see. Mjolnir, you know, yeah. lightning. 3 damage, lightning bolt. Wow. Yeah, you know, chuck it at someone for it to return back to you. But the thing is, it doesn't reattach itself. Oh, like wow, the other that come back to you. It's even she did it, remembered. It, it doesn't reattach itself with like Mjolnir. You you need like the pure steel paladin to help you put it back on, you know? Oh shit. Hey, you know what? It returns to your hand. Wow. You know, it's just like Mjolnir, it returns <laughs> to your hand. <laughs> then you cry. <laughs> thematic, thematic. <laughs> immersion, immersion. Oh fuck. Okay. Six mana just to vote people. <laughs> is the stats good on it I, can't, I honestly can't remember plus 3 plus 3 plus O right and then it doesn't as long as it's legendary plus 3 <laughs> as long as it's legendary because you must be worthy Mitch yes. like Mjolnir 
Well, fuck, can you at least like give it plus 10 or some shit? If you're worthy. No, but because it's lightning, lightning, lightning bolt is only 3 damage, so it's only 3 lightning is Lightning is quick, light, and fast. Well, see, it's in the word, it's not called, it's not heavening. <laughs> it's lightning. Oh, I'm having a shock here, I think. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay, your girlfriend's at home. If anything happens, she can call the ambulance for you. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna go with my next card, but before I go with my next card, I have two honorable mentions. I don't really want to talk about them for very long. <sighs> My two honorable mention is Chulain, Teller of Tales, and Kobo uh, Baker's King. Uh, boring. Uh. I will add the other card that Jonathan mentioned is Ken Reef. Okay, there's, there's not much to talk about. Kobo is broken, Chulain is broken, Ken Reef is broken. Okay, if you want to play a powerful commander, just pick one of these three. So, we'll move on from there. I think if you I think if you build Ken Reef and you use a random deck generator, I think it's pretty good too. It's just generic. You know what? I don't talk about it. <laughs> uh, I will go I, you know what is it on everybody's list uh, you know I'll make Mitch life easier let's just talk about it we here in the Restrict Buddies podcast hate Planeswalker okay we think Planeswalker are not very good it's a fact most Planeswalker are not that good in your decks let's, let's be very real are they cool they are very cool Planeswalker deck cool as you know oh this does a lot of nonsense most Planeswalker are bad but today we're gonna be talking about one Planeswalker that is uh not bad. <laughs> not bad. I mean, I was about to say broken, but sure, not bad. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about Oko, Thieves of Crowd. Okay. It's Timic. Of course, it's Timic. Why else would it be? It's green, blue, one generic, Lazarus Prince Walker, Oko. It has plus two, create a token. That it has minus one, target artifact or creature, loses all ability and become green elk creature with base power, toughness, three, three, three. And then minus 5, exchange control or target artifact or creature you control, attack creature, opponent control with power 3 or less. Why is it good? Because I'm wrong. It's not a fucking minus 1, it's a plus 1. It's a plus 1 <laughs> remover. Why? Why is it like that? Why? Who, who is it? Sorry, you know the biggest offender as well? His Simic. Well, I do understand why. Who was in R&D was like, you know what? I think Oko is a fair card. Let's ship it out. And you know what's the worst thing? It starts with four fucking loyalty. So if let's say you have nothing to remove, you plus two, six. You want to remove a creature? Five. The boy's thick as fuck. It's gonna oh, guys nonsense. So math don't don't add up, boss. Are you not gonna play Oko in your deck, Mitch? Play Oko in my deck. I open one, right? Yeah, you're gonna play, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course you're gonna play Oko. Why would you never not play Oko if you're in Simic? You can afford it. Just it's, it's, a good, it's one of the best removers in the game. I think it's like the most banned card ever. <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it playable in where? Is it playable in vintage? I'm looking at the ban list now. Uh, Pioneer. It was banned in standard if I remember correctly. Banned in Pioneer. Banned in Explorer. Banned in Modern. Banned in Legacy. Banned in Historic. I mean, everything's legal in fucking vintage. It's not restricted, I think. So uh, basically, basically, vintage and EDH. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, Throne of Eldrain is like Mirrodin 2.0, where people and RID just fell asleep at the, you know, at their job. I don't know who agreed to the design. Who even made the design? Who? It was like, the I bet it's the same guy that decided, you know what, Skullcrab equip cost should be 1 and not 2. It's the same guy that, you know what, this shouldn't be a minus 1, this should be a plus 1. It's the same guy, I guarantee it. The same guy who, who <laughs> dreamt about affinity, probably. <laughs> I think affinity is a good mechanic. You know what? I think I think the uh, what's the stupid thing that gives Abba you? Ravager. No, no, no. The equipment. 
The one that you get plus one plus zero for every creature. The one oh, that you get, plating. Uh, then you know what? Let's make cranial plating instant speed equip as well. I think that's a good idea. Same guy, I guarantee you, same guy that makes Oko. Oko's great. Okay. You guys wanna talk about Oko? Want to go in depth about Oko? No, I don't. Which? You're gonna play it soon. You wanna say anything about Oko? Anyone who's actually seen the card being played understands why it's fucking broken as just over two fucking turns. Even if you have nothing better to do in your life, nothing better to do. You have you at the very least create a three three creature and gain uh three fucking loyalty. And it becomes an eight. Oh, it becomes an eight. The ulti at this point doesn't fucking matter. You just want him to just be there to just Oh your commander's in play plus one. Oh your commander's in play plus one. Oh your commander's in play plus one. Oh it's I so think his ab- his ultimate is pretty his ulti is pretty much Something that nobody wants to use because the it's outclassed by the first two abilities. Like the foot, okay, the foot, nah, you know, not here, not yeah. there. No, I see like the sense that plus two on yeah, the correct. three mana. Like, you want to keep Oko forever, you get what I'm trying to say. It's like it's nonsense because you don't technically remove it, you don't kill the creature, you don't exile it. So you just transform the creature into a tree tree. So your commander technically is still there, but it's just a tree tree vanilla. So unless you go to Raga, hey, can I trade my commander with you? If they don't want to do that, and you have no side outlet, your commander is just going to be there and it, it's nothing. It's very annoying. It's damn fucking powerful. Just hey, going to eat grass. Even, <laughs> even if you trade the commander, hey, guess what? Plus one. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so, so damn oppressive. Oh. I should really get a, I should really get one, one Oko. I want to put it in my Falco's Para. I'll probably get a copy of Oko. I'll probably just get a copy of Oko for my Falco's bar that I'm building. You know what? Less, not much to say. It's like, in my opinion, I think it's the most playable placewalker in EDH. Is it? That I can think of. Yeah, like, I think it's the most playable. Why say Mick though? Why? Because, you know, in casual EDH, you can't have good, you can't have fun. You must play against Simic players all the time. Alright, let's go to Jordan. What's your next card? Wow, my next card. Oh, wait. I already said, somebody already said Amber Cleave. God damn it. Okay, my next card is Sir Conrad. Damn, I love him. Oh, it's going off my list. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing much to say about Aristocrats, uh, you know, the playstyle. But the fact that this guy counts, even counts milling as well. He's a win call in a lot of decks. He yes. really is. It, and, it's also, and he also uh, does an Aristocrat thing when you reanimate your own creatures. Yes, because he leaves the graveyard nonsense. Yes. So you, you rise of the dark realm, just a bunch of damage just suddenly happens. And and the worst thing right, is that this punishes someone who wants to Burjugal bog your, your graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> you big brain, you big brain. Burjugal bog, targeting me, uh, I got Sir Conrad. No, you call Kali Sir Conrad, you point me the finger, uh, you take the damage. Hey, sorry, it's not you. You and your friends. <laughs> oh, you and your friends. <laughs> hey, you guys lost? Not my fault, man. It's not my fault. He tried to Bajuko bot me. I was threatened, so I must retaliate. <laughs> it's nonsense. It's really damn stupid. Doesn't he also see play in some decks that don't even run an aristocrat strategy? Yeah, yes. You, you, that's, you, generally you play, very good. You play Mill, you will play Sir Conrad because, I mean, it's your secondary win con. Like, you, you Sir Conrad, you just Mill the guy. You play Reanimator. If you play Mesh Reanimator, you also will play Sir Conrad. Yeah, because the first the first line the first line also affects uh when whenever another creature dies or a creature is put in the graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield, so that is also uh, if you clear the board and somehow Sir Conrad is indestructible, everyone everyone is getting ping as well. I mean, 
the card's great. Uh, like, there's not much. You got, yeah. It's on your list also, Mitch. What do you want to say about Sir Conrad? Uh, I mean, <laughs> most of it's already been said. Yes, it's anti-tokens. How about that? Uh, that there's a cool combo with it. Which one? Uh, Mesmeric or one of the monoliths and uh, just that, and uh, one of the titans in your deck. There is one black card, I believe. Uh, Joey from EDH Redcast, he likes, he, al- he always mentioned it. It's like a black spell that put like half your deck or something into the graveyard. And then you just do a bunch of fucking damage with Sircon, right? I mean, the Mesmeric Orb and. Um, Basalt Monolith is the one that you're thinking of. Yes, Basalt Monolith combo is an instant yeah. win. True. I mean, I, I don't have it on my list, not because I think the card's bad, I just dislike 5 mana. Right. That's, yes. that's the only reason. That's the only downside. And, and his stat line is also pretty thick. Uh. It's 5-4. Ah, yes. Morality Chief. Exchange your graveyard and your library. Then shuffle your library. So essentially, if you're... Hey, isn't this the band card in, in Yu-Gi-Oh, Mitch? Yes. <laughs> yeah, essentially, if you have like zero cards in your uh, in your command, in your deck, in your graveyard, or like very little, you morality shift, and then you just do a fuck ton of damage to your opponent, most likely killing them for 7 mana. So, yeah. Mm, producer son, your random knowledge of cards amazing. All right, well, Mitch, you can be a second one, child. Yeah, we need someone like you because you know we don't remember cards; we just talk about them. <laughs> I don't remember the names. All right, Mitch, what's your next card? My next card is also on John's list. Cause fuck you. Uh, it's Torbrand, Dane of Redfell. Um, I really like the card. I really, 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 really like the card when I was playing it in standard. I think I tried to build it in Pioneer as well, but you know, that card kind of fell through because it's not really my style. I'm surprised you don't have like a mono red burn style EDH deck since that's I, what you play. Uh, I think my problem is that it deals damage too slowly. I don't like the incremental feel of it. At least for burn style, uh, burn games is like, you take three, that's a significant portion of your life. True, because at the end of the day, if you one-shot burn the whole, for like a big number, it tend to be more of a combo rather than it's actually a burn deck. I mean, <laughs> I if you think about it, Chandra's Ignition is a burn card. True. I mean, technically, it burns the face, sure, I guess. Whoosh. So, Jonathan, Torbrand, why do you like it? Why do I like it? Simply because it doesn't just count spells, instants or sorceries or some shit, or creatures. Anything that's red, you're good to go. <laughs> I mean, the card's great. I, I played it in my own Nahab deck. It was uh, it was an all-star in that deck. Usually, the turn I cast Torbrand is mostly the turn I intend to win. In the mm. correct deck, Torbrand will do like a lot of things because like what Jordan said is just any... So, you can also think of Torbrand if your deck is like a Goblins, which your tokens are predominantly uh, red, 1-1 red Goblins. It's like a... Mm, you can think of it as an anthem for your Goblins, for your Goblin tokens when they do the damage. So it's, it's really fucking good. La. The card's amazing. Not every deck is going to run it because I believe it's triple rate, right? The yes. Game. Yeah, it's triple rate. The, the triple rate is very, very painful. And you most likely will have to be a burn-esque strategy. But the card's great. La. If you are if you are playing like a burn-style deck or, you know, red weenie kind of situation, you really should give Torbrand. Even as a commander, I think Wenshaw had a Torbrand commander and that thing, the deck hurts. It hurts a lot. I tried to build him as the uh, Dragon's Approach deck, but, you know, just didn't kill people fast enough. Dragon's Approach sucks, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone got Everyone got trapped by that stupid cards, uh, yeah. 
I mean, I have a block of dragon's approach like for myself to keep because it's just it's gonna have the same effect as like relentless, right? I got a bunch for twenty cents, gonna end up at a dollar, and I'm just gonna put it out for a dollar, and people people's gonna oh, it's gonna I can meme, you know, bring out this dragon, blah blah blah. There's always gonna be a new dragon's approach commander, and I'm just gonna sell a block for a dollar each. So, but the card's horrible. I've seen multiple dragons approach deck, and I've been disappointed by all of them. What about Prosper? That was the most disappointing one, really. Uh, the hype around it, I don't understand. No, look, I I love Turnhouse. I love Turnhouse deck, okay? But his Prosper can just go fuck off. It's the most boring. Dragon's Approach is so, so boring. It's so bad. Really, it really is. Ugh. Let's, you know what, forget it. Let's not talk about Dragon's Approach anymore. Uh, I'll go with the next card. So I'll, my list is the most boring one. So I'm going to just talk about, again, card draw. So the in my opinion, the next... In my way, the second, third, third, third best green card draw in the game is uh, Return of the Wild Speaker. So Return of the Wild Speaker is 5 mana, you draw a card for the highest power of a non-human creature you control, or the sec- or you choose the other mode, which is all your non-humans, get plus 3, plus 3. Uh, the best thing is a fucking instant. So the flaw is it's a sh- slightly shittier Rishka's expertise, but at the top, if you're playing a token deck, and I even, even in my genie fair, I have killed people with the other mode, but I also have used the first mode to draw like four five cards. For five mana drawing like four cards, I think it's pretty fucking good. So I really like Return of the Wild Speaker. It's almost I think almost all my green deck has Return of the Wild Speaker. Like ninety percent of my green decks has it. It's been so long since I actually even play a green deck. I'm so sad. Anything you guys want to say, Mitch? Return to the Wild Speaker. Don't you play in Raha? I don't play in Raha. You don't play in Raha? I don't need cards. What? True. Wow. <laughs> I mean. Some confidence, I guess. The guy's just gonna die underneath the card if the guy the opponent is dead. Fair enough. True. I do like the card though. The instant I think is really is what I feel really breaks the card. Especially obviously if you are in Simic. Like you can hold counter spell mana and then oh I don't counter spell, I guess I'll just draw five cards out of it with five mana. So I think the card's pretty good. Anything you want to say about it, Jordan? Well, do I have to say anything about it? <laughs> the fact that you don't have to sacrifice the stupid creature. It draws card, it kills opponent. Cards good. Full stop. I mean, yeah. it's in the bear. Um, oh, it's in the bear? Nice. Yes, because 6 damage kind of hurts. Mm. True, and push come to shove, you can use it to draw. Oh, that's actually, yeah, that's pretty fucking good in your bear. It's actually quite legit to kill someone. Your bear is 2 2, 6 damage, so you want 20 commander damage. So it's just basically 2 plus 3, 5. You just need another like 6 power on the bear, and then you can one shot someone with instant speed if you have uh, returns of the boss speaker. Pretty fucking good. I've done with it one or two times. I like it better than Raha. Raha? Uh, Richard's Expertise. Mm. Just because it's instant. The number of times people have fucking blown me up by just uh, I killed that uh, Richard's Expertise is on the stack. That is the, the big downside to it. I mean, the, the instant speed is where the instant speed matters. The card's great. If you guys haven't played it, I advise put it in your green deck. Give it a shot. Even if your commander is like Especially if your commander again is 4 mana, or like 4 power. 5 mana to draw 4, I think is pretty good. The higher your power of your commander is the better, is the best. Because okay. your commander is something you always have access to. Slight, slight disclaimer, uh, make sure it's non-human. Yes. Yes, please. Make sure it's non-human. Well, runs a human commander. Ah, yes. Hunter said put without the last speaker in the deck. I draw card. No, but no, sorry. It's a human. they be like, oh. I guess I share RTFC. You know what? I'm proud. If that happens to you, 
I'm glad because it proves that you are my listener because I also don't know how to RTFC and that's why I have Mitch Paul. He's useful that way. He reads the card. I don't. Then he explained to me so I just have to listen. Oh. <laughs> Alright, Jordan, what's your next card? Well, my next card is so boring. It's Rich Claw Talisman. Something that I abuse quite often. Oh, I think my list is like the fastest to clear today. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Rich Claw is so good, right? It's like the fact that I mean, so caught an opponent gains control. Oh no, he can, he can uh make use of the what do you call it the tutor effect. So stupid because when you use it, you're actually just gonna win on that turn itself, anyways. Yes, you can't win if you win the game. They can't use the tutor if you win the game. Exactly. <laughs> okay, I'm okay with the fact that it's uh the way how it is because you know sometimes it wins games, but it could they could just make the mana the ability cost. Not one generic. Like, put a little bit effort into, you know, like tutoring cost, for it. Yeah. Maybe, like, cost it two, cost a black. Maybe, yeah, two. Turn it into, like, a demonic tutor. Yes. So, that, essentially, you are, pay, you are paying a delayed demonic tutor. That would be, I think, fair. You already pay mana to cast it. It's already a three mana demonic tutor if you're using everything on the same turn. Yeah. So, I, I think it's balanced, actually. But the, the problem is, right, is you don't use it on the same turn most of the time. It's like you play it, like you do your own thing, you got anything to do, you just run the Wishclaw Talisman out. And then on your turn, it's essentially when it's your turn and you untap with all your lands or all your mana, Wishclaw Talisman is just a vamp- better Vampiric Tutor because it goes into your hand. It bits out removal, how about that? <laughs> if you talking... can do the same thing with Demonic Tutor, what? you can just, I cast Demonic Tutor, I... Send back the item until I'm gonna win. Uh, as you know, in our table, holding cards in your hand doesn't mean the card is safe. People, <laughs> people like to wheel of fortune, <laughs> and then the cards are oh, you demori tutor and you pass. Okay, uh, winds of change. They just go hmm, neat. <laughs> you just go. Listen, <laughs> big brain. You search for something that is only usable in your graveyard. What <laughs> winds of change shuffling into your deck, bro? <laughs> <laughs> when Shelf Tank Spiral shuffles the deck and the grave and your hand. I mean, jokes aside, I do agree with Mitch. In terms of if you are just using it on the turn itself, it's actually a shittier demonic tutor in that sense because yes. it costs three because you need to pay the two to cast it and then one to activate. But the most of the benefit is that you can, you have the option of separating the cost and that's why I feel it's most powerful is the fact that it doesn't really, you don't have to use it immediately. You can just put it there and then next turn save the mana. And I know as an Ednos player, you call mana very often. So that one mana can make a lot of fucking difference to that turn. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's essentially a very good uh, risk to take. Like, having it being removed on before your next turn. It's I mean, still... It's, I mean, it's a risk that you are willing... It's easy to come back from, I suppose. If they remove it, they remove. It's like, not say... It's, that's how, you know, that's how, how it goes. Ah. I mean, that's how the cookie fucking crumbles. Yeah. But it is what it is, oh. Like you say, it baits, a re- it baits remover. And sometimes you just have like three mana. Like you pay for the two and then if they shoot the remover, you just pay the one. And then you still got the tutor off in the way. So it doesn't really matter. So it's the options. Ah. I feel the power of which card that come from the option. At the end of the day, it's a tutor. I mean, not really the most exciting, but tutor is powerful. Like what we said in our Twitter episode. Huh? Go listen to that. Mitch, Wishclaw Talisman or Grim Tutor? 
Which one do you think is better? Uh, which car probably. It has more users in general. You can split the cost, like mm-hmm. you mentioned. I think in the deck that runs Scream Tutor, you run this anyway. Hmm. I mean, that is the other side, which the aspect that I like, which is the political aspect. Like you use the Grim Tutor, you use the Wish Claw, and then you be like, "Hey, Jordan, I need the ball." Can, can hey, you ball isn't one? it disgusting in two headed, twin headed giants? I mean, oh shit, you're my opponent. Hey, dude, I think you need some help. <laughs> 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 hey, I'm, thanks for the offer. Let me help you again, and you just pass it back again. If you don't use it like the spikish method or like our so-called our correct method, you can use it in a, very, a lot of political ways. Like one of the examples we talk about when Jota had the Wish Claw out, if I had just told him, hey, if you give me the Wish Claw, I will let you draw three cards, he would definitely give me the Wish Claw. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it, it is fun. It, it has that layer of fun. It's not that way. It's, that's not how it works in our group. But if your group enjoys fun, unlike us, it will work. Very, very fun day. Yes. Our fun is different. We just don't want you to have fun. <laughs> I I want to have fun. Me. Only I have fun. You cannot have fun. Me only. Alright, Mitch. What is your next card? My next card is Brazen Borrower. Which like... I think that you've been wanting to get for the longest time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's more of just because it's... I think it's quite annoying. <laughs> I, I do like this style of just... For this one turn, it just go back, go back, go back. I, I don't think about it. Kind of thing. And then I return back the Brazen Borrow back to hand so I can reuse the ability. Well, I think the card is, is very good for the whole package. It's just in stupidly insane. You've got nothing but to do. Like, let's say you've used the Petty Theft and then you oh, that goes back to hand because I can counter it next turn or whatever. If he decides not to cast it, oh well. When you, you, I shall cast the Brazen Borrower. And I have a beat stick in the sky. Splash is stupid though. Splash is just fucking stupid on this card. Because it's a, the other side is a creature. Like it synergizes with like cards that, you know, triggers or attack trigger because it has evasion. So it will it tends to trigger those attack trigger enchantment artifact if you control, maybe your swords or whatever. And then because it is again a creature, so things like you know, Great Henge. Uh, you draw a card of it. And it's then... not that most of adventure cards are busted simply because it's like tempo. You're not you're not netting the uh, what do you call it? hand advantage or something? Yet? The card oh, advantage. No. no, 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 no. This is Brazen Borrower is the few adventure card. It was good. Me and me, <laughs> we sat down. Shit. We sat down to see because of the fucking bun. Oh, I, I can never forget the bun commander from the the stupid commander legend. To I tell you, I fucking I think I opened like four and I tear all four and three away. I fucking hate it, man. Brazen Borrower is good just because of the circumstances. You can do a lot of neat tricks with it. Like your opponent is wheeling, you can return their permanent back to uh, return a permanent back to hand, and it's gone. You know, you just need to buy yourself a turn, return the thing to your hand, and then you can have a creature, so on and so forth. There's a lot of small incremental advantage you can get with it, but you know, it's the rest of the adventure card. I know Mitch has one that is on his list, but the rest of the thing is just very mediocre. Hey, know? I got two that's on this list. Don't forget about that one. Huh? The one you complained about, the mono red one. Isn't that your isn't that your second one? Did I not put the other one in? Oh, I assume that one of you two idiots will put it in. Sorry. <laughs> we can talk about it later at the end of the episode. So yeah, I, I think the card's great, yeah. So Jordan, any anything you want to say about uh Brazil Borrower? No, not really. It was on my radar to be honest. 
the only downside I have to prison bro is I cannot bounce my own permanent to hand. Yes. It's, yeah. I mean that's one of that's one of the reasons why. Look, we're just it's basically asking to for the cake and then eating it at the same time. But you know <laughs> we have to complain. That's just how we do things. I saw just fucking say. Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh return target permanent to hand. Wow. Thanks, Dockside. <laughs> if if we can return Dockside, it will be on my list as well. <laughs> True and real. <laughs> you can return your opponent's Dockside if you want. Wow. Hey, I am a charitable man, but I'm not that charitable. <laughs> I don't need to be, I don't need to help my opponent that much. They already get one tutor from my wish claw. They don't need to get back there. Dockside extortionist thanks. Wow, you big brain, you use your wish claw, give it to your opponent, you play Dockside, you get additional treasure. Wow, look at that. Synergy. Anything else you want to add on to Brazen Borrower, Mitch? Really just it's not that great. It's not like insane value, but I think it's just enough to just shove into TDH decks. I agree. I really agree. Is it gonna is it gonna be in your uh Uro? No, that's just because uh it's more focused on the combo, so mm, fair enough. I will go with my next one. I'm yeah I mean I've been on the streak of green cards, so let's continue with the green card. So the card I have is Thorn Mammoth. So I believe Thorn Mammoth is not exactly in Throne of Eldrain, but it's instead inside the the what's it called? Brawl decks. They are called Brawl decks, right? Yeah, Brawl decks. So, but it's technically part of Throne of Eldrain. So, Thorn Mammoth is seven mana, uh, creature elephant. It has trample. It's a six six. Whenever Thorn Mammoth or another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Thorn Mammoth fight up to one target creature. You, uh, you don't control. So, it's essentially a rec- a recurring green remover. In the correct deck, it can do a lot of very very disgusting things, especially if you have things like Vigor, uh. And whatnot, or uh, when a creature is dealt damage, something happens, so on and so forth. You, it's it's very powerful. The card is very good. Most of my green deck has it. I have seen many people use it to uh, great success. I have, and I believe it, I can't remember which deck the sun played it, but that Thorn Mammoth controlled the board for quite a bit. So it removed quite a lot of uh, a lot of pieces. So I quite like the card. I think the card is pretty fucking powerful. Most green decks should play it. I mean, if you are a creature deck, like, obviously. Oh, that disclaimer. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to work in Mitch Raha. Uh. The Thorn Mammoth is most likely going to trigger once and then maybe two turns later trigger again. But, but it doesn't really matter if you're going to die because it's Raha is going to kill and also it's not going to really work in the back. Is it, are you going to play it in Uro though? Have you considered playing it in Uro? Um, Not really. It's a bit expensive. What? Um, you're, bro, you are Uro. What is 7 mana to you? You get it in what? Turn 4? Well, I don't know. I'll think about it. I've kind of been removing uh, interaction. True. I mean, I think it's good interaction because, again, it's a body and it works, it synergizes with the deck if you're like playing the rich card expertise, your deck is playing the, uh, like what I mentioned just now, the Rita of the Wild Speaker, I think the card's pretty fucking good. It's rec- the fact that you can reuse his ability multiple times is where I think it's very powerful because you can just say, no, 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 no. And then next turn, you flash another creature and then you know another thing again. So I think the card's pretty fucking good. I think you want to add to the Ton Mammoth, guys? No, not really. Mitch? Uh, personally, I don't really like it that much just because it's 7 fucking mana. True. True, true. That's very fair. The, the 7 mana is really very... Is, I guess it's the gatekeeper is the fact that it's 7 mana. But I think the I think it's good. Uh. Like, if you are in the correct deck, I think the card is quite good. Alright, John, what is your next card? My next card is... Well, I think you guys saw this card quite a few times in recently in the recent uh games. 
drowned in the lock. It's your color. It's yeah, your it's color. my color. <laughs> it calls to me. <laughs> so why do I don't know, like man. I, why do you like it? Wow. For one, the mana cost is just one blue and one black. And the two modes on it is essentially things that you want to do anyways. Although they have some restrictions that, you know, you can always say that it's very uh, conditional. As we'll go into the graveyard, no matter what happens. That's how just yes. how magic works. Okay? Exactly. It, people might think, oh, it's actually very conditional. No, no, Trust me, the graveyard will be filled without you knowing. Man. Especially, in, I think especially in our main pot as well, see, because we are playing fetches. Yes. And we are playing tutors. <laughs> so the fact that it counts, uh, not a specific card type, but the amount of uh, cards in your graveyard itself. In your opponent's graveyard, the one that you're uh, targeting with, the control of the spell, it's very good. And and let's not mention if you are playing if you are playing a mill deck, this card is going to be live like ninety percent of the time. It's removal and counter spell. My goodness, do you, do you play uh during standard mage? Uh no, I did I. I can't remember what I was playing for this standard. Oh, I was playing monorail what? Oh, you're playing Torbrand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad, my bad. I just assume there's like a control deck in standard you'll be playing. Yeah. I think it's really very good. Especially, I think, even you can even say that it's uh, in CDH-wise as well because we are mainly playing things that are very low on the curve. Oh, uh, yeah. And once you fetch two or three times, usually you can counter almost anything that's being thrown in the game. True. Yeah. I mean, if you need it, you can just always add to the opponent's graveyard yourself by just removing their creatures. Yeah. Or countering their spells from, you know, Earlier, earlier stacks. I don't remember. Is in your Scarab God, right? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. I don't. F- I don't want the conditionality of the removal. And to be fair, you are also removing their creature from their graveyard, so you are also technically reducing the number of stuff in their graveyard. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair point. I think the card's great. Also, like I have played it in CDH, but you know, only in CDH because it stopped my color. I dislike these two color combination. I think you need to have a game plan for it. You can't just assume that cards will go in. I think it's more of like during the deck building process, you want to put it in for consideration and then remove it later on if it doesn't really fit your game plan. Mm. It's I wouldn't say it's an auto-include. It's more of an auto-consideration. Maybe it's because I am just a greedy deck wielder in general. The few times that I play like three color and I'm heavy blue-black or I'm playing a blue-black deck, it's like an auto-include in my deck. Mm. I will count it as a counter spell more often than not than actually remover. Because to be fair, in our group, our curve is actually quite low. Like you you don't count the workshop's favorite omniscience and the occasional meme decks that plays like a lot of 8-7 mana. The, but in our group, I feel our power level, our curve of our decks are actually quite low. Most of the time, the... What is it called? Drawing the lot is actually life. So I yes. think the card is pretty good. But obviously, it depends. Uh, like Mitch say, you really do need to consider like what your group is, how the dynamic of your group really matters. Because mm. if your group is like a very slower, like a slow style of EDH, and then maybe they don't play the fetches. Yes, it's a very bad card in that sense. Yeah, I guess so. But in our group, it's quite, it's very often, uh, turn once, fetch, faster kind of situation. So, or tutor, that kind yeah. of thing. We're always so, doing things. On our own turns. That's, that's the reason why Drawing the Lock is so good. It also hurts the fast combo players as well. 
Yeah. So yeah. I think the card the card is pretty good. Pretty good. If you are in the colors, I highly recommend you try it. But again, like I mentioned, if you if your group is tend to be on the slow end, listen to Mitch's advice and you must most likely have to have a game plan like maybe you're a meal deck or you're a discard deck or whatever it may be, you have ways to get cards into the graveyard, then drawing the lot will be like an all-star in your deck. Mm, probably attrition style decks would run want to run this as well also. Yeah, if you're heavy mm. in remover. Yes. Alright, Mitch, what is your next card? Since you talked about the... Wait, no, I talked about the adventure card. Since, since I talked about the adventure card, I shall move on to uh, my next adventure card. card. <laughs> Giant Killer. I am surprised. Please, I would like to know why is he here. I am the Monoi player and I don't even like Giant Killer. I don't think he goes into every deck. I will be... Yes. But oh, it's I a think... potential 3 mana removal. Uh, it's not even Exile. That's, not, that's, that's, my, that's my only gripe with the card. No, my gripe is his sorcery. Uh, Giant it's Killer? Yeah, it's Giant Killer. It's instant. It's instant, man? Yeah. Yes. Eh, why am I thinking that it's sorcery? Never mind, please continue your reason. Maybe I'm just, I just can't RTFC. Please continue. But yes, I think it's... There, there are two big reasons why I think it's a okay inclusion into some decks. Number one is the timeline is a human. Uh, number two is just a cheap creature that has an effect. So if you happen to be playing a small creature deck or you're playing a human's deck, I think this is a reasonably good inclusion because it just does something in addition to the fact that it is a creature too. Okay, I'm gonna go back and forth with you a little bit. I I'm wrong. It's not yeah, it's not so straight. The one that turned me off is uh the fact that it's three mana. So I'm actually as you know, I have a I'm currently playing the Zigara, the human Zigara. This was actually I was considering it and it did not make into the cut because it's three mana. And the fact that it's quite conditional, it has four four power and above. Do you really think it's that good, man? I don't think it's about in a human's deck it's about eighty plus, ninety plus. It's definitely not auto-include in, in any sense, but I think it's still pretty good for as a consideration for uh, if you're just building a creature deck. It's pay one white and then tap any creature, right? It's a oh, generic white, and white. Generic white, yeah, tap target creature. Yeah. Okay, I'll, you know what? I will give it, I will give it a good, I will give it a try and see how it goes. It, because my, not say my Zigara is like a super fast aggro deck or whatever, but it can grind. So this feels like a good enough grind card in that deck. Maybe I was just a little bit biased and was turned off by the 3 mana uh, removal. But I'll put it in my Zigara and I will see how it goes. I think you make a fair point. I did not think of it that way. I was just like, well, fuck 3 mana and only 4 and above. Fuck that. The thing for this is you're probably not going to be casting it turn 1. Unless you really just want to fill up your curve for some reason. But I think in the later turns, you just... You destroy a problematic creature, then you cast it, and then you just tap down one of the blockers. True. I mean, and you can no... do this over two turns. You can basically at the end of your, at the end of uh, the next the player before you's turn, you tap down one creature. Your turn you tap down another one, and then you swing in, that kind of thing. Mm. You could tap down a flyer for me. Mm, okay, okay, I'll give you a shot. I'll see how yeah. it goes. I have a few cards that I want to change from that deck anyway. I'll put the card into. Test it out. It definitely has some play to it, so mm. that's why I like the card. I'm so I'll give it a try. See how it goes. Maybe it will, my my world views will change for the card. One of the right. few good cards in the adventure deck. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. 
Let's not talk about it. Really don't. Oh, I, 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 oh, stupid. Why is it a three? Why is it three color adventure? Why just not make it five color? Why is it three color gates? Why is it not just five color gates? I'm, I, I'm still angry. I mean, I'll continue with my motif of green cards. Uh, but this is green X. So the card I next I have is Fibro Elder. So Fibro Elder is essentially a Celestia, uh, Bloom Tender. Okay, it's a bit stick. But it has vigilance, so you can beat with it, and then it's a bloom tender. So at the at the base, you know, the, at the floor, it's essentially three mana for it will tap for a green and a white because, uh, what is it called? Fabro himself, it's uh two mana, two color. Sorry. So if you are playing three color and two of your color is Celestia, I would just say it's almost an auto include in your deck. Obviously, if you are playing a Celestia deck, you will not just playing Fabro Elder, and you have you have a reason to lah, but. I think if you can play this and then you cast your commander and it taps for three, I think the cast pretty fucking good. It's bloom tender. It tends to be good. Five color and above, you have Celestia. Four color and above, don't even need to say she'll play bloom. She'll play the Fabro Elder. So many CEDH lists also has Fabro Elder. Yes, just because it's good. About it skills very well. What considering think? what the new Dominaria set's coming out with and it's like a domain-ish or five color set, um. Favorite Elder may see a lot more play in your play groups. Yep. In your decks as well. I mean, if I bought a Foy one just because it will go well in Derevi, so even though I don't have my Derevi on hand, I buy Foy cards for the Derevi in case ever the situation I will ever want to build Derevi again. But yeah, I think the cards are great. Lah. Like in CD, is actually a menace because if it having three power and you beat the Enos player for three damage, you can ask oh, Jordan, oh. Uh, Jordan, if you get hit for 3 damage, how you feel? I cry. <laughs> that's what. The card's great, uh, obviously. We don't have to think of it in a CDH contest. If, uh, context, sorry. If you are playing a 3-color deck, you have Celestia, in my opinion, just give Fabro Elder a try. I don't think the card is that expensive. I don't have the price on hand. But you should really have a copy. In my personal opinion, if ever the case you play a 4-color or 5-color deck that has, I mean, 5-color, you should have Celestia. But, if you're playing a four color deck or five color deck, you will be, you should try put Fabro Elder. When it taps for four four mana, I tell you, your deck will be hard that game. So John, hey, what's your next card? Oh, my next card is just an uncommon shit. Hey, it's it's my uh run away together. <laughs> oh, so basically it's just bounce two target creatures that are controlled by different players. Then that's it. It's it's your that. That it's restriction is not really even a restriction at all. It's written your creature and their creature, right? No. Uh, choose two target creatures controlled by different players. Oh, it's not just... It doesn't have to be yours. Yes. So you can essentially get rid of two threats from uh, each from different people as well. If you, I mean, if you, if the boss states, uh requires you to do so. Uh, if not, you're just going to bounce a threat and you're going to bounce your dog side. It's on, I never knew it's two... Because one of the mo- is all- I consistently always use it on my own creature. And <laughs> <another opponent>. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> I didn't know you can use it as double remover. Shit, son, that's pretty fucking good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I return this uh, ETB and I return your other creature. I replay my ETB. Go. I'm not gonna lie, I never noticed either because I just <laughs> beauty and the beast and then my brain stops working. <laughs> I think it's it's really uh. I wouldn't say it's underlooked. Uh. It's more of a... It's a very good card. That is... Uh, I would say... Why Why is it in... Uh, unco- why is it in common? That's all. If you have Dockside, I think the card is pretty good. 
It's so, I think they have, I think they have a bonkers ETB. It's pretty good. It's common because in competitive and constructed formats, it's not that great. Yeah, because uh... in competitive format, the other one has to be you. I mean, it's worded this way, so in EDH, I guess you can use... Like, nowadays, cards are... Like, a lot of magic cards are built with EDH in mind. Right? Yes. As you can see from the design in uh, Runaway Together. Yeah, but if you are playing in competitive, it's, it has to be one of your creatures no matter what. Maybe in draft, when you have a good ETB, yeah, kind of situation. Like, uh, I remember Throne of Eldrain when we played draft uh, in Magic Arena. You would take Runaway Together because you will play Drown in the Lock. <laughs> so you play Drown in the Lock, you mill the guy, then you play the Merfolk, then you run away together their creature, return your Merfolk and then... And not drawing the lock, sorry. What is it called? Drag down. Is it called drag down? Shit, I can't remember what's the adventure mode. The one that mills them. So you return back your merfolk and then you mill them again. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm hearing is value. <laughs> yeah, so the card's good. Uh. The card is really good. It's not in every single blue deck. I don't think it just goes in because you're playing blue. But if you, again, if you are in Simic, so... You know... Uh, hey, Mitch, if you're ETB heavy, it's Mitch, more or less good. Uro, why not? Because um, I don't want to. I think it's really good in Uro. What? If you, you can return your Parting Crown, you can return your uh, Peregrine Drake, you can return Uro and reuse his ability. And yeah, but if I don't have another target, it just sits there in the hand. You always have two targets, what? just two opponents. No? Wait, there's no creatures. Wait, just a bot white or some shit like that. Wow, that's like the argument. That's basically then Puff to Exhaust. It's like a shit card one. <laughs> Based on the argument. That's the difference. Pretty Path to Exile has a very clear purpose. You want your <laughs> opponent's creature to go fuck off. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I will put it in my I think my old Uro actually have uh run away together. Just because I want to. I play Uro, Tung 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 Escape, play Uro, return Uro to hand so I can recast Uro next time and then re-escape again. That's just you know the extra greed extra extra greedy play. Fair enough. Alright, Mitch, what is your next card? Uh my next card is Hushbringer. Do either of you know what that card does? Of course I do. Oh, no it's... ETB, no LTB. It's my one of my favorite stacks pieces. Cause that little shit cucks <laughs> me almost any other game I'm trying to play combo. Exactly, it's my favorite way to stop Jonathan. <laughs> well, that's why the cards are my list. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Jonathan can't have fun. I think the card's great. Thick. Shit. <laughs> I'm just trying to have fun. Oh, having a top of all. Uh, on a stick. Oh, just in fact, when it first came out, I was actually trying to find four foil copies just because I wanted to find it in burn. Oh yeah, burn is that burn that place? Uh, secret foundry. I forgot. <laughs> is it is it actually seeing play in burn? Uh no, it didn't actually make the cut just because. Uh, well, you have better things to do. <laughs> Fair enough, but the art is pretty fucking good though. I quite like the art. The art is, is pretty, really nice. It's not like the normal style of magic art. I think the art is pretty nice. Is it because it's female lips and then you're like, ooh, girl? No. I just think it's neat. That's all. <laughs> I think I it's am... very thematic for a uh, Careless Whisper song. No, Careless Whisper song. Brilliant son, add the song in. You know what? No, wait. Forget it. Later, gotta copyright. I take that back. You know, maybe if we just put the front part, they will not notice. Oh, well... I mean, the, the sex part. <laughs> The, the most iconic part of the song. <laughs> so, what's your reason? Your reason is just because it's good to annoy Jonathan. I mean, I think he's one of the 
first, what, 20 stacks pieces you put into the fucking deck when you build a stack stack. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Oh, uh. No ETB, no death triggers. Hmm, I think this will go pretty well against most decks. <laughs> Obviously, it's a double-edged sword because, you, again, stacks pieces... Stacks is stacks cards is one of the I feel the harder cards to play because it's not just put it into your deck and then you are done with it. You actually yeah, have the to, timing matters a lot. The timing matters. Your deck building matters. Like the the your deck cannot just play this. It has to have like no not say no ETB or you know your deck is not ETB heavy because if your deck is ETB heavy, you put this in your deck is like pretty fucking stupid like, Obviously, in my opinion. But I think I have I do have it though. I think my Brina used to play. I used to play this in my Brina. Whoa. Producer Sun Double S sword is the best sword can hurt people e- either ways. Oh big brain. Well <laughs> if you're hurting yourself, you're still technically hurting someone. Technically the sword <laughs> is doing its job. <laughs> oh, can we start with the deep within the deep memes? <laughs> 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 I I am people too, it hurts me. The card's yes. good. Well we are we are going to the levels of uh, people die when they're killed. <laughs> Oh, I'm stacking someone. It just happens to be myself. <laughs> they crying. Yeah, he's doing his job. He's hurting someone still. <laughs> That's a good sword. <laughs> That's a good sword. Alright, I'll go with my next card. So, do I actually have that many? I actually have quite a lot of green cards. So, this is the last green card. Okay, the last green card. me? <laughs> That's a That's a very long streak. This is my last green card. Okay, this is my last green card. So, my last... I actually have what? The Great Henge, Oko... Uh, Riddle the Wasp Speaker, Fabro, and the Thorn Mammoth. So I have like five green cards. So this is the sixth green card, the final green card. So Escape to the Wild. Now. Oh, okay, cancel mine. Is the card great? Okay, it's, it's not a good card. Okay, it's not, say, a bad card. The card is not amazing. It's five mana, very expensive. Sorcery. It's sorcery, it's very painful. But you're in the color where, you know, drawing card can be a pain. I'll be very frank. As much as I gush over things like Return of the Wild Speaker, uh, things like Rishka Expertise, whether I like it or not, it is a conditional card draw. Yeah, it is fact of life. While Escape to the Wild, technically, is not really card draw because you exile the card and you have to play it, but you have until your next turn. But it also, if the situation where you get like two lands and you, you can play both lands because Return to the Wild gives you an additional land drop as well. So it, covers that weakness as well. So, like, push come to shove, okay? Push come to shove, you top deck all three land, okay? You play two lands, and then the next turn, you play the last land. So, it's like hyper ram. So, I think the card is pretty good. If you're in red, green, and you can afford it in the mar- uh in the slot, I think you should really give it a shot. I think the card is pretty good. Have you considered playing it in Raha? It was in Raha, actually. Hmm? But, it was too slow. Mm, fair enough. The problem is the exile. And uh, I, lo- I have a lot of expensive cards. So, oh, making okay. use of multiple tends to be a bit difficult. Losing the Ember Cliff and you can't cast it, then you just cry. Oh. <laughs> oh. I would just fucking cast the Ember Cliff. Fuck the rest of the cards. <laughs> you know what? You will be crying, but I'll be smiling. <laughs> I personally feel like it's the red-green version of Urban Evolution. Yes, yes, yes. That's a very good comparison. Very, very true. Mm. And Abel of Evolution, I think, is good enough in most decks. So again, the the reason why urban things like Abel of Evolution return to the uh 
Return to the Wild is uh Escape to the Wild, sorry, is good. It's because you are in green and reaching five mana and heavy excess mana after that is very easy because you are in green. So you know, there. Didn't oh. escape to the wilds get banned standard? What? Oh, is it because of uh what's the card name? Uh the what's the stupid elemental called the jellyfish? If they play it in the deck, right? Isn't it? I mean, Omnath. they did play in the deck, but the, f- uh, the four mana Omnath. I think they were just worried that it just accrued too much value. I mean, true, because Omnav, one Omnav active is two, is the second Omnav activation, which is, I think, the most important part, which is the give back mana. So, okay, I guess. Understandable. I think I have custody basically for free off of uh, uh, the Omnav and 4 trigger. Fable Passage, I think. I had uh, Fable Passage and uh, the Lotus Cobra and Fetch. Omnath oh. activation, custody for free, still net one mana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get what wow. you're That's really That's fucking good. Oh, so sick. That's really fucking good. I mean, obviously, again, if you see, this is a simple example. If you're playing that Omnath, you know, you are that scum. Okay, said, I'm sorry to say that. Like, not say you are scum for playing that deck. It's like you're playing the four color Omnath. It's like playing Trulane or Cover. Like, the deck's gonna be powerful, but it ain't gonna be fucking interesting. That's for sure. You can make an interesting Omnath. Yeah. Like how I made an interesting uh, cohort, remember? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> there are interesting decks to be made from not In- commanders. Interesting. Hey, was it I- interesting to you? Because you were winning? <laughs> no, I was happy. It wasn't interesting, but I was happy. <laughs> I-, I guess same, same. Same shit, different asshole, I guess. Alright, let's... Not much to talk about. Again, I think... It's like card draw, okay? Essentially, it's card draw. My list is the most boring. Usually, I try to have a more interesting list, but Throne of Eldraine has a lot of broken cards and very powerful cards, and I feel I should put so those powerful and broken cards inside. Least try to be interesting. Hey, yes, I we tried. My next two cards is somewhat interesting, okay? Because it's, I hold them dear to my heart. Hey, my next card very interesting. Alright, Jordan, what's your next card? I saw the thing. It's so interesting. Oh my god. Wow, it's Mystic Century. Wow, oh. damn. Interesting. Interesting. Hey, it's a lad. Mitch, are you, are you very interested in Mystic Sanctuary? Yeah, I heard Mystic Sanctuary is banned in modern. <laughs> yeah, I heard Mystic Sanctuary is a good card. Yeah, you know someone found out recently that Mystic Sanctuary was banned in modern when he was fucking playing an event. Is it Ray? I'm not gonna say his name. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> that, that hurts. <laughs> I want to know who's that person. Uh, I don't... No, no, it's not Ray. I don't think it's Ray. Ray doesn't play that. I don't think he's playing that color. Eh? eh? Ray happens Wait. to be playing Blue-White Stoneblade. He, he's playing Stoneblade in modern. I yeah. thought he's playing the... What, the Persis and whatnot? Bring back the shitty Archon deck? No, not at the moment. Oh, Blue-White Stoneblade? I don't think... Does he play? You know what? Forget it. We'll have this conversation once the thing is over. Let's not uh, call names on the, on the episode. And... So... Okay, Jordan, Mystic Sanctuary, why why you why do you like it? Is it because you get to recur your spells? No. It... I, the reason is why is it an island? <laughs> so obviously so it can be fetchable. Exactly. Oh, because if like... you don't if you don't fetch it, it's not good enough, obviously. Oh. <laughs> no, I so oh, it's just it's uh, it will be, it would have been a I mean a pretty bad and borderline fair cut if it was just a land. Well it is just the land. 
do you think it will be a bad card if it's not fetchable, Mitch? Personal opinion. Uh, no, actually. I don't think it'll be a bad card. I think it'll still be playable. It's just extra, a lot extra playability just because it's fetchable. Yes. <laughs> just oh, when you, you need it. Wow, you make my fetch land even better. Mind blown. <laughs> because if you think about it, you can still do stupid shit with Mystic Sanctuary. Like, um, you can return it to hand with Cryptic. Essentially, the Mystic Sanctuary combos or those combos that re- require you to use Mystic Sanctuary is not affected by the fact that it is an island. Just it the is. Fact... <laughs> the fact you can fucking search it out with. I mean, yeah, la, that's the only thing. Ah. Like, it just makes your combo easier to, to pull off because you can fetch out one of the pieces with a fucking fetch land. <laughs> stupid. The guy is stupid. The... I do agree. The, the fact that it's fetchable is utter nonsense. Yes. I have no, I have no idea why is it an island. Because it's, it's not. Yeah, true. Because it's blue. Have you thought about that, Jonathan? Because oh. it's blue. The world would have been a better place if it was just a land. <laughs> I mean, technically, what like what we say is technically still just a land. <laughs> I mean, the card's great. Okay, jokes aside, the card's great. You're playing blue. You're playing a spell slinger. You're gonna put Mystic Sanctuary. You're gonna be happy about it. Even if you don't play a spell slinger, it's also gonna be good. You're just gonna recur your either your ramp when you're in swimming, or you're just gonna. Find your tutors. I don't know, man. The Mystic Sanctuary I see only recur one thing and it's called Capture of Tinto. <laughs> Bad non-flashbacks. <laughs> non-flashbacks. I don't really need it before I sleep. Thanks. Alright, Mish, take me away from Vietnam. What's your next card? Hey, since we're talking about lands, I shall also talk about a land. Wow, so, please. Uh, I admit this one is fucking boring, but, you know, it's ramp. Why would I not like it? The, it's Castle Garen Break. Is, is it the green one, right? is it the green one? Yeah, yes, it's the green, it's one. The green one. Okay. I mean, it, the only thing it really does is produce two mana. Is it two? Uh, one or two? Two. Five to activate and it gives you seven. Or to activate. Six. Four to activate. Gives you taps itself. I mean, technically, it doesn't, doesn't that technically only give you one because you have to tap itself. Yeah, so. You can think about it as uh, it taps for two mana. Oh, you know what? Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. It's a awkward temple of the form god in that sense. But a lot of the time, if you're playing in green, it probably comes in untapped. So it's basically a free uh, include for your creature-based decks. And since it just ramps very easily, I think it's a pretty good uh, inclusion. Uh, my bear doesn't have it because it doesn't really run creature abilities, but uh, Raha definitely has it. Because Raha tend to be killed. And the mana, having that a bunch of mana to recast the Raha helps a lot. Uh, it also oh. can be used to activate uh, Raha's ability. Right? True. Yeah, because it's a like creature activated ability. I mean, I, I actually, I used to run it quite a bit, but I tend, I'm, I don't run it as often now. It depends entirely on your deck, I think. If you're running a lot of instants and sorceries, this is kind of a shit card. Yeah, very true. Fair enough, fair enough. Basically, if you're running a green, if you're... Also, you have. I feel that you should. You can. It's more of a two color ca- kind of card. If you're really three color, I don't think you'll be playing this. Because, green. because the the mana it gives you is just only green mana. So, but you can funnel in any colored mana to go. So, yeah, you, that you know, you have to worry about that, especially if you're multi colors. All right, I'm going to go with my next card. So, on the topic of ram, I will also talk about ram. So the card I want to talk about is uh 
I am uh, my hatred or my dislike for three mana mana rock is quite well known. But this is the few three mana mana rock that I like, and it's a uh, midnight clock. So midnight clock is to generate one blue. It's an artifact tap at one uh blue. That it has an activated ability of to generate one blue. Put an hour counter on midnight clock. At the beginning of each upkeep, put an hour uh hour counter on midnight clock. When the twelfth hour counter is put on midnight clock shuffle. Your hand and grief into your library, draw seven card, exile midnight clock. So essentially it's a one side you can say it's a one sided uh, time spiral. Yeah because, fine. You, yeah, because you put your graveyard in as well, Ma. Mm. So obviously it's again currently basically most of my blue deck uh tend to have uh midnight clock because it you obviously if you have you will reach a situation where you like, you know, you play Midnight Clock, the turn passes, passes, and then you never really play much. And then you just, you know, get a fresh hand of seven. And sometimes it can even be a detriment because you want to keep your hand. But that's where your player decision, you know, come into play. But more often than not, for me at least, because of how I tend to build deck, I tend to have lower curves and whatnot. So having this on turn three, you know, on my four, turn four, turn five, I vomit out cards. And then on turn six, when it hits me, my Midnight Clock will trigger, I will get a fresh hand of seven. So maybe shuffle my two cards in, draw another fresh seven. I think the card's very, very good. It refills your hand when you need to. I think the card's good. What say you, Jordan? I wouldn't put it on my list at all. I mean, it's not your style now, is it? Yeah, it's not my style. It's definitely not my style. The, you know, think too much ahead. Uh. <laughs> what about you, Mitch? Um, I don't like it in my... um my decks either just because sometimes it's very difficult to uh, go off it's quite long in my opinion it's three turns essentially because uh one two three four so on back on your turn so your first turn you cast it it's at zero your next turn is four the turn after that it's essentially three three rounds around the table which is quite long it is it's very long trust it's actually i will say this first actually playing the midnight clock Obviously, I'm talking on the the stand that you're playing it on turn 3. It's actually long, and it's actually, you will feel that it's actually quite fast, because especially if you don't empty your hand to get the max value, you'll feel like, damn sian, you know, kind of thing. And also there's issues with, like, if you need something in your hand, like, you, let's say you draw a couple pieces next turn, kind of mm. sucks. Yeah, it does. Again, it's, uh, it's to each their own, uh, it's more of a player decision, like I say, it requires you to maybe think a little bit. Obviously, the draw draw 7 ability will not come in as often, especially later in the game because, you know, you draw you draw this on turn 8 kind of situation. The game is more or less over. I don't think you will have 3 rounds around the table for you to have a new hand. But it, it may happen. So it's more of a uh, player preference. I personally like it because, like I say, it's how I build my deck. I tend to vomit out my hand very quickly. Like, uh, for example, Mira. My deck is very is very easy. Either I have a very fast hand with a lot of artifacts and having this uh, midnight clock very early means I get to vomit my artifacts and a few turns later refill my hand. Or because I play a lot of high CMC spell that I can never cast, having the midnight clock to put it back into my deck so I can flip it with Nira. It's uh it's also a good thing. So it heavily depends on your deck. And recently I've been very into playing my Nira. So Midnight Clock has been working wonders in the deck. So I really, really like this card. Alright, Jonathan, I think you have one card left, right? Yes. Go for it. Wow. It's who I guess it's it's a blue stupid blue card. 
It's uh, Emery Lurker of the Lock. What do you say, Mitch? Your face is a stupid blue card. Yeah, oh, damn. face is a stupid blue card. I take offense that it's a blue. At least give me something like black. One of them. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything much to say about Emery Lurker of the Lock? She's basically a combo piece in your command zone. I had to collect myself. There was... I was about to say a lot of things that I cannot say out into the public. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you for that joke, understand? I got you, fam. <laughs> okay, continue, please, yes. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, it's like... Okay, the only downside is it doesn't have... Uh, it's quite easy to give it haste nowadays with uh, like the three boots in... The three boots that gives your... It, that gives uh, equip creature haste. There is a combo with it, right? Uh, yes. I... It's uh, if I remember correctly, it's the it's basically these two uh common uh yes. common artifacts right. uh common creatures. One is uh Mirren Spy, so basically it's whenever you cast an artifact spell, you may untap target creature. Then the other one is uh, what's it called? It's, it's a stupid bug. No, no, it's no, it's it's the bear. It's the dog. Sorry, it's Chakram something. Oh, which is. There's another one that is a thermal navigator as well. Sacrifice an, it's an artifact creature. Sacrifice an artifact. Thermal navigator gains flying on the end of turn. So you sacrifice itself, and then uh you will trigger Mirren Spy. Mirren Spy will target Emery. Emery will untap, and then you will target thermal navigator again. So you got it on uh and you got infinite storm count. So the other one that can replace uh Mirren Spy is Chakram Retriever, which is exactly the same ability, but Chakram Retriever costs five. Whenever mm. you cast a spell during your turn, untap target creature. So more or less the same thing la, for me, as Mirren Spy. Just that you can trigger if anything. But it's a the combo piece is with an artifact, so both both sides will work. Yeah, I mean you still require some work to get the things going on. La. But mm. it's saves you the fact that because I mean if Emery is in your command zone, you're playing mono blue and the combo piece is in your in the combo piece is usually in your command zone. So you need to worry about the two other pieces. And I think most of Emery's uh, combo lines are, ju- are three pieces, including her. So you just have to find two. It's a, bur- it's a very boring combo, though. I will yes, say. It is very, very boring. When I wanted to play, um, when like Emery came out, when Troy Drink came out, I was like, I saw Emery that I was like super hyped because obviously the, uh, it's supposed to be the lady in the lake. You know, she's supposed to give yes. you so-called Excalibur, you know. Ex- the art is very good. The art is damn yeah. sick. Yeah, it is very, very nice. The, it is... Is she giving you fucking Amber Cliff? No, sadly <laughs> not. So yeah, basically it's a uh, lady in the lake. So because I I'm a big fan of the Arthurian mythos, I I do read the story, and I'm a big fan of Fate Stay Night. So and one of my favorite night is Lancelot. So I, I'm I'm very surprised you didn't say Fate Grand Order, but sure. Okay, fine. In Fate Grand Order, I have all the knights of the Round Table because I really like the mythos, and one of my favorite knights is Lancelot, and Lancelot is tied to Lady of the Lake, so is uh King Arthur himself. So I really wanted to make a deck. I I bought the Chakram Driver, I bought the Mirren Spa, I bought all the combo pieces for uh uh Le- uh what's it called Mi- uh Emery, and I even bought a Foy Emery. When I built the deck, I go fish the deck, I show it dismantle it. It's so fucking boring. Yes. It's, it's very hard, especially if you win the counter, you win the, the stack when Emery is in play or when she's going, when she's uh, trying to resolve her ability. Okay, and the game is pretty thing. much over. The, 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 the deck only does one thing, you know. It, it does that one thing very well, but it only does one thing. It leaves zero yes. room of, for creativity. It doesn't so, help that the first time you cast it, right, she's going to cost one blue mana only. Yes. She's so fucking powerful. It's so good. Mish, what I say you to Emery? just have to say it because, you know, you're mentioning Emery. 
Strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. <laughs> wow, Kev. I yeah, I agree. The fucking card is broken. I think he's still in Legacy. Oh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. His artifact nonsense. It is one mana. <laughs> it is very, very true. It's one mana. It's one mana. It's artifact nonsense. Hey, did you know you can cast uh, what's that fucking card's name? Um, Lion's Eye Diamond for free. Hey, mind blown. <laughs> It is where we put the the shook emoji, the the shook meme. Lies eye diamond being good. Wow. Mind blown. It's just a the broken ca- fucking card. It's broken, but it's really very boring. It really is. It's really very boring. It's like Urza. It's, is the card good? Yeah. Is the card powerful? Yeah. But it's very boring. At least Urza, right? Maybe there is like polytyrant variant or like some meme at least. That's none for Emery. She's just gonna if you see one Emery deck, if you see what Emery deck you've seen all Emery deck, I guarantee you. <laughs> but I suppose it's very good if someone wants to start, you know, high powered, I suppose. Welcome to the world of boring magic. Maybe I should try to play Emery but in like a like a artifact creature based deck. Since that's my specialty, turning a non creature deck into a creature deck. I'll try. See if I got the time for it. Hey, have you thought about it? You what? run Emery as a Merfolk tribal deck. Hey, true. Oh, you technically, if all your deck only has one Merfolk, technically it's still Merfolk tribal. Wow, big brain. <laughs> you just need to draw your whole deck and play your own the only Merfolk in your deck. Mind blown. Wow, technically you can, you know, play a leveler and then you can play the other Merfolk that you need. <laughs> true, very, very true. Merfolk tribal, let's go. Alright, Mitch, I believe it's your last card as well. Oh, oh, and your last card is a CEDH card. No, I have two cards. Oh, your next last two cards. You have two? Yeah, yeah. So what's your last two CEDH cards? Uh, before I go for the CEDH cards, my... Wait, is Gilded Goose CEDH no. available? Depending on the deck, though. But yes, Gilded Goose is uh, my second last set of cards. And I actually think the card is pretty fucking strong, even though it has a condition for tapping for mana. Especially if you've got Academy Manufacturer. Jonathan's favorite card. Oh. Every time I cast it, he always smiles. Just well, that the, it's upside down, that's all. <laughs> just, I just feel very, very insulted. <laughs> By a factory worker. I'm just kidding. Wow. Such this talk. Oh. I need good karma. I need, to go, I need good karma. The gacha is coming. I need good karma. I cannot say anything. Please, please continue. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the flaw of this card is that it produces artifacts. You mean the factory flaw? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, it, it's... I mean, the it just vomits out an artifact. Obviously, food is like the worst of the three, which is food, clue, and treasure. But it still just vomits out artifact tokens. Especially with, you know, it's green nowadays. I don't know why green's token ever, uh, strategy goes to... A, Green just need as long as a token, it can do like twenty million things. Especially if it's an artifact. Mm. Are you gonna play? Do you have no? I don't think you're gonna play this Uro, right? There's no reason for you. I had it inside the list. Then you were like, "Oh, remove all the 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 mana stuff." Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean you can like, I mean we sidetrack a little bit. Like, obviously, if uh any of your listeners, if you have an Uro deck that and you. You are very and it's very powerful and you want to have any comments do just put it in the send us a Twitter and everything. I mean I, I when I made Uro, my personal opinion was I cut most I maybe have Birds of Paradise was the only one left. 
but I cut most of the one mana, uh, one mana mana dog. Like yes, having the turn two Oro is pretty fucking good, but I prefer having the sorcery and instant ram in the deck because those will funnel into the escape when I need to cast the Uro multiple times. That's why and the you know the rams unless someone bought white, which tend to happen very often. I don't know eh. That's just me lah, personally. I mean you can give it a shot, what? You have all those cards. So if you like if you think the if you think that method is still better, you can always just make the swaps whenever you want. No, I thought about it. I preferred the value. Hmm? Value is always better. I mean, not much to say. I think you want to say about Gilded Goose, Jonathan. Oh, you mean what have already been said just now? It's good. It's no birds of paradise. Let's get the over let's get it <laughs> cross first, okay? It's not a birds of paradise. It is conditional birds of paradise, but in the correct deck, it will do a lot of good things. This in Emery, eh, Emery, sorry, in my Genie Fay, and this in my Kovok, I have done a lot of disgusting things with it. Especially. Oh, who knew? Producing who something knew? that can tech is good in uh, Kovok. <laughs> and you know what? Those three deck run? Academy Manufacturer. <laughs> <laughs> the card's great. Get your Academy Manufacturer. I know our Modern Horizon episode is over, but you should listen to it. And then listen to me again, saying that you should get your Academy Manufacturer. You will thank me. Sweatshops. The sweatshops are, are working over working overtime now. Yay. Yay. If China know one thing is they, they know how to pop out products. Yeah. <laughs> oh, then that means I, I, I will... Oh, Mitch, you will take the last one then. Okay, my last card. So my last card is uh, Mirror Maid. So Mirror Maid is a uh, 3 mana, 2 blue. I believe it's 2 blue. 2 blue and 1 generic. It's essentially a copy artifact, but more expensive. So, 2 blue, 1 generic enchantment. You may have Mirror Maid enter the battlefield as a copy of any artifact or enchantment on the battlefield. So, I'm an enchantress player. Mirror Maid is always in my enchantress deck because it's always it's a second copy of your best enchantment. And in my artifact deck, it's, the sec, it's a second copy of your best artifact. Uh, artifact and enchantment clones, you don't get them very often. You really don't because, you know, copy artifact. We have seen what people can do with such a card. So, <laughs> sure. So the mirror mate is very very powerful, especially if you are in an artifact uh, strategy or you are in a enchantress strategy. Obviously, if you are in a cloning deck, you know some people like to play clone deck. Mirror mate is also gonna be good in that. So, ah, just that simple. Like having two copies of your best enchantment, it's is very very good, and it's never it's seldom dead. Because you can always copy a mana rock. Push come, the worst case scenario, it's a mana rock. Three mana soul ring is still a fucking soul ring at the end of the day. Three mana, uh, what is it called? Trend Dynamo is still a trend dynamo. Three mana, Gilded, uh, Gilded Lotus is even better. So I think the card is pretty fucking good. What say you, uh, Mitch? I, I agree. Um, it's good just because of the fact that it's just your best. I mean, you still need to actually have the thing on the field, but mm. generally speaking, it's just a copy oh. of your best card. It doesn't have to be your best card. You can just copy the other guy's Evercleave. <laughs> well, hey, thanks. <laughs> it, is, it is your the best enchantment artifact that on, on the table. How about that? Because at the end of the day, you can also copy your opponent's one. So if the best thing is a Gilded Lotus, hey, look, you also got a Gilded Lotus, friend. If there's an omniscience for some reason and the guy haven't won, I guess you also have an omniscience. You know, you get what I'm trying to say. You always lay down of anticipation in the mirror mate. In omissions. Oh, damn. I mean, big brains, I guess. Spicy. It's clone. It's a clone, okay? My list today is very, very boring, you know. 
But I, I really like Mirror Maid. I think oh. it's quite underrated. I really honestly feel it's very underrated. If you are playing, even in like generic, no, okay, like, I won't say generic. If you're playing Enchantress especially, you should really give Mirror Maid a try. You'll be surprised how often the card is good. It surprised me very, very often how good the card is. Alright, Mitch, what is your last card? My last card is actually two cards, both of which see CEDH play. So, so uh, the first one is Seven Dwarfs. Wow. And second one is Dwarven Mine, where the dwarfs are working. Wow. They are the academy manufacturers. Wow. <laughs> There's only one reason why either of these two cards see CEDH play. And it's just because Magda is stupid and I can't believe they printed the card. It's the meme, it's the it's the meme, the recurring meme that me and Mitch has. If we see a Mendes card is red and it's black, we will say, wow, it's CDH playable. And if we see a dwarf is red and it's cheaply costed, wow, it's CDH playable. Because That's Magda is broken. That's my favorite part about playing Magda. When we were doing the uh what was it called? Uh tapped out or something like that. Untapped. Oh yes, yes. That people will be like, what the fuck is this card? I heard that so often from Hansois. It was quite nice to hear. Because it's just a bunch of dwarf that it doesn't do anything. But the fact it's good just because it has the creature type dwarf. Yes. So stupid. My for the win. Dumb card is dumb, yeah. Anyway, I mean, this set, I honestly think uh, Tron and Eldrain as broke, especially, you know, the Planeswalker broke every competitive format in, in into half. Okay, they broke a, a lot of these cards are broken. A lot of cards in Troll Eldrin are actually very expensive. You know, things like Embercleave, the Great Henge, yeah, all expensive. It is, in my opinion, one of the best cards, uh, uh, best cards, sorry, best set in recent times. And the joke that me and Mitch always say is, hey, you think this set will be the. We can't have every set to be, you know, Throne of Eldrin. So. In fact, honestly, we have a lot of cards that we just didn't mention. But... Yes. It really, it really is like this set. It's like the there's a lot of cards that's in this set. They are not powerful just in general, but they are very powerful in the in the deck that play. Like it really is. Uh, for example, one of the what is that card? The triple black, uh, lady. I think in Aristocrats, I think she is very very good. Uh, oh. I remember her name. Anya. Uh, Ayara, 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 Ayara. Yeah, yeah in Aristocrats, I won games with her. She's a card draw and she drains life. But is she generally powerful? No, but in in a Richard Crest deck, I think the card is pretty fucking powerful. So what Mitch said is very true. We gave like, what, 20 over cards? And I think it's just really just the, the tip of the iceberg for Throne of Eldraine. There is a, a lot of very powerful cards here. One of the cards we missed was Dance of the Mans. Ah, yes. The, what is it? What's the Reserve List card called? Uh, replenish. The Replenish or the, the new Replenish. You know, we can go for days. Like, Fable Passage, is it great? No, but it's a very good card. Dance of the Mans, like Mitch say. Even I feel Charming Prince is good in many decks. You know, don't even need to mention instead... Uh, what is it called? I think Once Upon a Time is also banned in everywhere, right? Uh, banned in a lot of things, but I don't remember which format, so I need to check. Yeah. Uh, Once Upon a Time, you know, Tomb of Legends. Uh, Castle and Breath in your... Wow. Um, Creature-based decks. Mm. Castle Vandress just randomly in your control decks it's, it's really very very powerful like there is a lot a lot of very good cards you're playing Black one of the best remover Murderous Rider you know mm. 
Really, the, the set is really full of very, very powerful cards. In the correct deck, Fires of Invention. So, we can go on. We can make, we can go on and on, but the episode is long enough. But this set really has a lot of very powerful cards. It is a bit harder to get your hands on some of these cards. Obviously, it's no longer in rotation. But if you, every episode, I think we can, this is one of those episodes I can say, if you have the time, you got nothing better to do. You on, you know, your trip to you're going you're going to work on the way home. You know, you're gonna go meet your your significant other. You sit in the bus. You just go through through Eldrin. You will find a lot of gems inside that set. On your trip to the Gulag. And this was the set that introduced in Arcane Signet, I believe. Ah uh, yes, obvious. Yes, Arcane Signet. Let's. It was quite the controversy when it came out because everyone was complaining like how it's just going to be a auto include in like every deck. And you know what? They were right. It's an auto include in every deck, you know. Even like cards like Shimmer Dragon, especially the cards from the the brawl decks. A lot of them are very very powerful. So yeah, I mean, look through the deck. You're playing a Giants deck that is the uh, one sided ball white for you also. So whatever deck you play, I guarantee you, Throne Eldrin probably have something for you. Be it common, uncommon, rare, or mythic. So take a look at this set. It's one set that I really recommend. One of the better sets. With that said. If you want us to talk about any other set, maybe a worse set. I don't know. Give me a bad set, Mitch. Uh, Common one, Legends. Of the, one of the third replica sets. Yeah, sure. One of it. Uh, fine. Uh, what is it called? The one that we... The, the, the set that's... Dragon's Maze. Yeah, Dragon's Maze. The one that... The set that brought all three of us together. Wow. For well, such a memorable set. It was all <laughs> for the wrong things. It was memorable because if it's not for Dragon's Maze, you won't be listening to this podcast. But the cuts are trash. No, Professor, we're not gonna talk about Fallen Empires. What is what is there to talk? What is in Fallen Empires? Name me a card in Fallen Empires. Is Force of Will in Fallen Empires? No, Force of Will is not right. I don't even know what's a card in Fallen Empires. Give me a good card. Oh, Will is alliance or no? Oh, Homri is not fucking Homri set. We're not gonna. If enough people, you know, any of the listeners want to talk about Fallen Empire, you send it out on Twitter. I'm not gonna talk about Fallen Empire just because producer Sun said so. But if any of, if you guys really want us to scrape the bottom of the barrel and talk about Fallen Empires, let us know in Twitter. If that's it, all our thing is down below. Thank you for listening to us for another week, and we'll see you guys again next week. Bye. Bye. Fuck the homebrew. <laughs> you can't even spell the fucking thing. <laughs>